0: If you're interested in JFK research, then there's a network just for you. It's called the Firehorse Network. So just say into your phone, Firehorse Network, and it's JFK 24 7. So we're going to be running JFK shows from number one all the way to number 151. It's the new JFK show streaming all the time on FirehorseNetwork.com. Welcome to the JFK Show number 162. Tonight we're going to go over a few witnesses, and Larry Larry Rivera's been going over the documents that have been released in the last month, and he's undercovering many, many things, and I'm really happy that Larry's doing it because there's no one more competent to take on the task. We've got Jim Fetzer tonight, and Don Fox has got a big test tonight, so he has to study or else he will um, not pass the test and get his degree. So, all right, Well, right, uh, we're going to start off with Sam Holland, and this is something that Larry and I have been talking about. We're really suspicious about that smoke going out into the plaza, and we believe that it was a, just a, well, a diversionary ploy to get everyone running in that direction. So here we go.
1: This was the direction you walked on the 22nd. This was the direction. You made this right turn. Boa mm-hmm. in the area. away from here now where was he in relation where was the car the presidential limousine in relation to the lamppost just a little to the left of that lamppost we're looking
0: at yeah i have to stop right there how many times have they said it was further down the street and that's not where the x is that o'grodin continues to put there in dealey plaza mm-hmm.
2: so that's
0: right. We've got a good witness oh, here right. too.
2: It's interesting. He's saying he didn't see any shell cartridges because Files claimed he left one there.
0: Yeah. Well.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: I've never been a Files fan. I guess you would say. So that was that was very good as far as having an actual witness say where the shot fired from. And if you go to Dealey Plaza, the X is much further down, actually before the steps.
2: And of course, when he talks about the third shot, I mean, actually, it's like the eighth, the ninth, or tenth shot, so that's yeah, right. that's all right. of it being, being silenced except for the three from the Dal Yeah, the ones we were supposed to hear. All right, here we go.
1: <laughs> In fact, Mr. Holland, the Warren Commission published just a very small portion of your testimony and used your testimony as proof that no shots could have come from behind the fence. Did they accurately and fairly use your testimony? They are wrong, because my testimony, and I made it very clear, that there was a fourth shot fired, and one of those shots came from behind that picket fence. And there's no doubt in my mind, and never will be, because I was on the spot. I saw the smoke, heard the report, and saw the smoke behind that fence.
0: So, yeah, once again, uh, false testimony that was given, that was altered. There's so many examples of that. It's mind-boggling.
3: Well, the FBI were experts at that. Yeah, that was their thing. You know, there were so many witnesses that claimed, you know, that their uh, testimony had been altered. That uh, that's not what they had testified. You know, and uh, and many of the uh, believe it or not, people don't realize that many of the uh, the uh, documents, you know, where stenographers would uh, make the uh, testimony. You know, and, and you know when they were tes- testifying. Um, that those that uh, none of those people signed those documents. You know, for example, Billy Lovelady, you know, a lot of instances, you know, where people they, they just asked the uh, the witness, you know, do you want to waive your signature, you know, for example? And they would say, Yeah, yeah, you know, sign that. And they're okay, no problem. <laughs> and uh that's uh I found a lot of instances of that.
0: Yeah. Just like Roy Lewis, they went to his house, someone said he wasn't there said, Okay, good enough. He never showed up again. <laughs>
1: And I don't see how that they can doubt they were the four-shot fire. The vast majority of the witnesses who expressed an opinion as to the origin of the shot.
2: I'm going to go on to the next witness. I just want to say, Mark Lane comes across to me as completely sincere and dedicated to finding the truth. I don't know about questions that have been raised about him, but undertaking this kind of an enterprise, being this dedicated – Tracking down this many witnesses, filming it all, smacks of sincerity and integrity to me.
3: I agree. I agree. I agree. I agree. Uh, he might. He might. He may have had, you know, some faults, you know, but, you know, well, right from the beginning, you know, pavement there in Dallas, you know, and, and he went and he talked to these people, you know, while everything was still fresh in their mind, you know. And, and uh, you know, these people were sincere. They were telling the truth, you know. <laughs> the Roger Craig uh, tapes are
0: invaluable, you know. They are, they are.
1: When they read the Warren Commission, as you know, as well as I know, that uh, everybody in the world was reading this Warren Commission and it had to read like they wanted it to read. They had to prove that Oswald did it alone.
0: Yeah, that was excellent. So, um, I agree with. I guess what a lot of people have said is that if if there's going to be a resistance, then you know, lead it yourself. And uh, Mark Lane did go around with the writers of the Warren Commission and put on seminars and things like that. So, we're going to have to delve a little bit deeper into that. So, next up is Mary Mormon. All right, what she had to be. The closest? Who was the closest, do you think? Yeah, Mary was among the closest, yes.
3: Mary and Jean, yeah, and Bill, the Newmans. The Newmans were right there in front.
0: Right, and then Sam Brent, we had last time. So let's see what Mary Mormon had to say. It's
4: so in my picture. I, when I took it, was at the same instant that the president was hit. And that does show in my picture. Did you
1: realize what had happened when you heard the show?
4: No, I didn't. There was, oh, three or four real close together. And it was, um, must have been the first one it, that, uh, shot him, because that's when I, that was time I took the picture. And during that time, after I took the picture, and the shots were still being us, I said, I better get on the ground. You did lie down. I did. We were, I was, oh, no more than 15 foot from the car and
1: in line of fire, evidently. Did Mrs. Kennedy scream on the first
4: shot? Uh, I don't know about the first shot, but she did scream. She says, my God, he's been hit or he's been shot.
1: Now the picture you took, I understand the FBI has it now.
4: Uh, yes, that's right.
0: Yeah, the FBI has got more than one picture.
3: Well, you know, Mary Mary took uh, other photographs that were confiscated that we've never seen. For example, I'm pretty sure that she took a picture of the motorcade in the same angle that Altens did and which showed the uh, the doorway. Uh, since that motorcade was, was just crawling along, you know, where you know, even the motorcycle escort said that they had to put their feet down, you know, at times, you know. So we know how, how slow it was going. You know, some of these photographers had time enough time to cross the entire infield. You know, from the uh, intersection of Maine and Houston. You know, which tells us, you know, just how slow it was going. So Mary Mormon had at least two other photographs that she took uh, since. Remember that she was uh, there. You know, she and Gene were there to take pictures of. Right. The
0: she was, what she was doing was taking the picture from the old Polaroid, pulling it out, handing it to Gene, and she would pull, take. You know, you know how you peel it and then let it dry, and she had three yeah. or four in her pocket, and then these th- these men came and pulled them right out of her pocket, and that's the only one that made it.
2: As uh, Richard Trask in Pictures of the Pain explains, the FBI had agents at all the photo and film development centers in Dallas for two weeks after the assassination. They took any photos or films related to Dealey Plaza and left a card. He has a copy of the card in the book. Yeah. Was it Joe's Camping out over there—is that how you pronounce
3: it? Right there, even right there, because Mormon uh, claims that it was Jim Featherstone who who was the one who uh, who uh, was on her, you know, within minutes of the assassination, you know, claiming, you know, you know that he wanted her her photo—I mean, her uh, her yeah, her photographs, you know, her Polaroids. So, you know, uh, like Jim said, you know, they they had all the angles covered. You know, they had to be there, and 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 in. In fact, you know, what they would uh, publish in the papers was, hey, you know, we're, help us in the investigation, you know, film, you know. people would go and take their film, you know, some of it not even developed, you know, and so, you know, we just, uh, we don't know exactly, you know, how, how much film and photographs, you know, were, were just, just disappeared. Well, we what's never-
2: fascinating about Gene and Mary's experience is that these authorities were on them right away, meaning they'd been under observation during, mm-hmm. even before the assassination took place. Yeah, this yeah. is just part of the security for, for vacuuming up all the evidence and making sure it didn't see the light of day. Yeah, just
0: imagine another, yeah, Just imagine your job is to look around the plaza and see who's taking photographs and go get them. I mean, they had other, people
4: there for that.
3: And other agents picking up bullets, you know, in the infield, you know, or pictures, you know, photographs, the Murray photographs clearly show. You know, so uh, –
0: yeah, they were in on it.
3: had pieces of skull, pieces of skull also, and brain matter.
0: Yeah, and then they decided to plant a piece of it later on to make it look like it went forward, which is what I believe happened with the Harper fragment. So, mm-hmm. All right, uh, I sent mm-hmm. this to Ralph Ka a while back, and uh, I think he's used it on some of his presentations. Well, this and, is Mark
2: Lane's photo of Billy Love Lady, right? That's right. right? That's
0: right. He had to do it undercover incognito they had to take this pictures because you couldn't take a picture and remember who was it um the martins shirley martin did their best to get a picture of him and it didn't yeah, come out yeah
3: shirley sent her her son steve and uh, Teresa to the uh, back uh the loading docks you know in the back of the building you know during lunch hour to see if uh, take a picture but uh the, the, jones harris was the one who actually sent people out there you know and we had confrontations. We've spoken about this, you know, many times. We had confrontations not only with Billy but with his his wife, uh, Patricia. You know, but what I wanted to comment on this photograph. If you look at this photograph, you know, the, the amount of on Billy is even less than what you see in the FBI photograph from the photo shoot of 229-1964, uh, uh, which indicates, as uh, as we have spoken, that uh, perhaps they might have retouched. That photograph and giving him a little bit of, of hair up there, but since he was, they also wanted him to be doorman and doorman, you know, had hair, you know, to, uh, you know, one of the, one of the processes in, in turning Billy into doorman had to do with, you know, adding a little bit of hair. So,
0: yeah, they did that, but they didn't bother to change the stripes on the shirt, though.
2: Yeah, I, yeah, I agree. I agree.
0: There you go. Dr. Thatcher? We talk well, about when
2: we reach this level of understanding, you really appreciate the crudity of the operations they were undertaking to conceal the identity of the man in the doorway mm-hmm. and to obfuscate the photographic evidence and the witness reports. I mean, it's fairly stunning. It was a very broad uh, operation involved a whole lot of government officials so that hundreds, it appears to me, knew that JFK was being taken out because they were part of the cleanup op. Absolutely. All right, here we go. This is a previously unpublished photograph of Lovelady taken by us
1: from a camouflage position. Here is a picture of Oswald at the time of his arrest. Was the man in the doorway Oswald, or Love or neither one? If it was Oswald, that fact alone is proof of his innocence. Yes, you might say that. Yeah. yeah.
0: I guess that is true, isn't it? (laughs) That's a bit of an understatement. All right. So here we go into dark territory that, thanks to the new JFK show and the people involved with us, Jack Ruby is uh, coming under a new light day by day. (laughs) In fact, (laughs) on InfoWars, they've they've already shown this, that Jack Ruby was framed, and millions of people have seen it. So we are getting through it's uh not as fast as we'd like to, of course, but here we go. Jack Ruby and the Dallas Police. Thanks.
1: The suspect's name is Jack Rubenstein, I believe. He goes by the name of Jack Ruby. Do you know Ruby? No, sir. So I'm in this very same room Friday night when we had the defendant up here. If some of you will recall, he asked a question from out here in the audience or answered a question. He's standing right back here, and I didn't know who he was. I thought he was a member of the press, and he told me as we walked out of here that he was a nightclub operator here.
0: <laughs> yeah, of course, we know he's lying through his teeth. He knew very well who Jack Ruby was. What
1: question did he
0: ask? Hi. Now there are all the Israeli reporters that Jack Ruby said that he had to interpret for the Israeli reporters, which is a one of the Japanese. <laughs> yeah, one of them's Japanese, but the Israeli
2: reporters—that's what he told. um, that's, he's, he's actually said that. Was he using that as a cover term for Mossad? I mean what in the world would Israeli reporters be? They would have had to travel from Israel? I mean, for God's sake, they wouldn't have had the time or the inclination or the motivation. These have to be Mossad people, Gary.
0: That's what I'm saying, but he said he was helping interpret for the, the reporters, Israeli reporters. So of course they're the Mossad. Aren't all
2: reporters? Yeah, I,
3: I agree. I don't. I, I would not consider that such an important trip for JFK to have been covered, you know, by Israeli uh, uh, reporters. What do you think, Jim? Well,
0: go ahead, Jim.
2: No, they just they got him there because of the assassination. I mean that they were sponsors and they yeah. they knew what was going down. Everyone knew except Jack yeah, and his. Followers. Jackson's closest advisors were the only ones who didn't
3: know. Like the Twin Towers, the dancing Israelis.
2: Yeah. Yeah, just like you
0: say, no one stood to gain more personally than Lyndon Johnson. Well, no country stood to gain more than Israel from the death of JFK. And and they did. And they
1: did. Yes, they did. Remember, but he, I made it as an answer, but he said something. remember it was Friday night when I asked you to. It looked to me like you're a good friend. I don't
0: know what <laughs> He said, look like you were good friends to me. Yeah, yeah, a little truth comes out now and then.
1: We have not been able to find anyone of our men who saw and recognized Ruby in the uh, at the time of this transfer. The thing that I saw, I was waiting at the armored car to ride with the suspect to the county jail. I knew that they would bring him out. They cleared the way. And then I heard the shot. I didn't see the gun. I didn't. I just saw the struggle that ensued. I immediately ran from the armored car down the ramp and tried to help stew the prisoner that had shot Oswald. Now, do I believe that you recognized this man after the capture? Yes, sir. Uh, did I understand you to say that if you had seen him before, you would have ejected him? Yes, sir. Well, now, as, as uh, Oswald was escorted out, were the policemen to either side of him? Weren't there any in front of him? Yes. How did the man get by the policeman in front? Uh, he, the only thing I know is what
0: that Someone said he jumped. Yeah, it old Levin coming in or Lavelle coming up. But um, well, well it was know.
2: orchestrated. Lavelle had to be as dirty as they come. They were holding Lee to I make didn't... sure he'd be shot.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you think about this policeman here? Do you think that he knew what was going on? Uh, as far as put make. Orchestrating the entire thing? Sure. Right. Of course. Yeah, mm-hmm. yep, he was saying that he knew who he was, so I well, guess. Well, not
2: that other, you mean the cop who was just being interviewed? Right. Go I don't me. know. He seemed to me to be pretty sincere, but, of course, yeah, you know. That, as, that was Patrick. As, uh,
3: that, that was pa- I believe that was Patrick Dean, uh, if I'm not mistaken. As,
2: as George Burns said, if you can fake sincerity, you got it made.
3: Yeah but the, they they had blamed another uh cop who was supposedly at the top of the ramp, Roy Vaughn, you know and and he never saw,
2: Ruby in, yeah
3: yeah, he's no he never saw Ruby come down the ramp, you know now if he he like, probably be,
2: did it now that we know his book halts not even Ruby <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah yeah, well, right, right Ruby
2: didn't yeah. have to gain access, he wasn't even there, who the hell knows where he was exactly. uh, good
3: point, good point, but uh but yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, okay.
0: All right, so here we go. One, this guy, like you say, he's got to be knee-deep in the cesspit. He's still he's around, I believe.
1: Jim Lavell, who was this morning handcuffed to Oswald and was bringing him out to the car to be transferred to a county jail. Could you tell us what happened? Now You were handcuffed to him. It was handcuffed to him and also had a hold of the waistband of his trousers. I saw this man come from the crowd. And at the time he emerged from this crowd of people, he was not more than six or seven feet from from me. Did you see the gun in his hand? As I he saw the gun in his hand as he emerged from the crowd. But being such a short distance from me, uh, I had no time to say anything. Uh, when Oswald fell to the ground, was he unconscious at that point? I would say if he was not, he was near, uh, nearly so. Uh, just as soon as the uh, my partner on the other side, Mr. Graves, grabbed uh, Jack's hand with the gun in such a manner that he couldn't fire it anymore. Did you recognize him when he came through? Yes, I have known Jack Ruby really for a number of years, and I recognized him just as soon as he emerged from the crowd.
2: Yeah, I think that's are... pretty interesting if it was, in fact, not Jack Ruby, that he recognized Jack Ruby after knowing him for many years.
3: Yeah, really. I, and I want to I want to mention, don't you think that, you know, if he was so close to Oswald and Oswald supposedly was shot, you know, he would have been splattered with blood, don't you think? that he would have said, you know, in this interview, oh, look, you know, and I was, here's his blood, you know, I was splattered with, you know, he's
2: still Have you ever heard of a transfer where the prisoner was handcuffed to the, on each side to law enforcement? I've never heard of that. You have (laughs) the prisoner handcuffed with his hands in front, sometimes behind. But you see, they made it impossible for him to escape his death.
0: That's true. They usually have him behind his head and they carry him with his arms. You know, side to side, not handcuffed to the, to the police officer. Absolutely right. Good, good observation. Alright, here we go.
1: You're in the office of Napoleon J. Daniels, a real estate broker in Dallas, Texas. Mr. Daniels, have you been associated with the Dallas Police Force? I was for seven years. In what capacity? As a patrolman. Where were you on November 24th, 1963? Uh, well, I was going down to inspect the assassination site uh, around 11 o'clock, I guess. And uh, I noticed Officer Vaughn standing in the, um, on the Main Street ramp of the city hall, in the basement. And uh, I stopped to go back to talk to him, and I asked him what his purpose was there. And he told me he was keeping anybody from me on the basement, of the basement transfer arsenal. How long did you remain in front of the Main Street Ramp with Officer Vaughn? About 20, 20 minutes, I guess. <clears throat> did you remain there until you heard a shot? I did. From 11 o'clock until 11.20, did anyone enter the basement through the Main Street Ramp? There was one man about a couple of minutes before um, I was shot. Could you describe that man? Yes, he was a white man, about weighed about 175 and uh, had on a blue suit. About nine. What was the color of his hair? Uh, it's brownish. and It's bald in the top. Was there anything else distinctive about the gentleman? Uh, he had his right hand in his right coat pocket, and something seemed to be protruding from it. What was your impression when you saw him enter the basement with his hand in his pocket? My first impression was that he had a gun in his pocket right because Officer Vaughn didn't challenge him, he just let him go on down in Did Vaughn uh, indicate any uh, recognition or knowledge of who the person was when the man passed by him? Well, I just assumed he did because he didn't try to stop him. I just assumed he knew who he was. Did Vaughn allow anyone else to enter the basement other than that one man? No. How long after that man entered the basement did you hear a shot? Mm -hmm. About time, I guess, for him to walk down in and get settled.
0: What
3: do you think? It's a little yeah. It totally contradicts what Roy Vaughn in the men who killed Kennedy. Roy Vaughn was adamant. He said Jack Ruby did not go down that ramp, you know. And uh, but which was you know much much later, you know. I I, you know I was aware of uh, of this gentleman, but uh, I didn't know that uh, he had actually identified Jack Ruby going down the ramp, you know. So you've got Mm -hmm. two completely uh, conflicting versions here, Jim.
2: Well, it's interesting that he's giving the right height for Jack Ruby, but the wrong height for Bookhout, And he does, he's talked about his hair, which you would have thought was concealed by his fedora. I mean, I caught that. You know, I caught
3: that.
4: Jack
2: was yeah, always wearing yeah, his hat, pretty, yeah.
4: you know? I-
3: how exactly? How could he tell? <laughs> That's right.
2: I think this guy may have been set up. He may have been given a yeah. reversed uh, description to
0: yeah, give. Yeah, 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 Also, I believe that the entire transfer was rehearsed several times over a couple of days, and mm-hmm. this just may have been one of them. That he thinks this is what happened. But when when uh, Ruby did go down there, what he remembers, he they just jumped him, and then the next the only time he remembered anything about it was when he was in custody. So.
3: Hey, he could have been there, you know, and as uh, Ralph has uh, postulated that thing about him being drugged, you know, and you know, it's uh, who knows, who knows. Yeah,
0: we're going to get to the bottom of it.
1: All right. Here's chief Curry. Curry, would you comment on the presence of Jack Ruby in the basement of city hall while the Harvey Oswald was being transferred? How did he get there? Well, Of course, it's been pretty well established by this time that he came in the ramp entrance, on the Main Street entrance. And uh, the officer who was guarding this door had stepped away to permit a vehicle to come out. It wasn't necessary that he do this, but he had stepped across the sidewalk to assist a vehicle coming out of the basement. That's when Ruby came into the basement. And this was less than two minutes before Oswald was brought down.
0: Boy, that sounds like a bunch of junk to me. Hmm. So, I'm not sure, so we'll keep on. Where was Officer Warren standing when this man
1: entered past him? He said he understood the entrance to the basement there. And what was his responsibility or obligation that day? To not let anyone go down in there for them. I know. Have you any idea why he allowed this man to enter past him? No, I don't know. Other than just he knew who he was or something no. That's what I thought at the time, yeah. Did Officer Vaughn look at the man who walked past him? He looked in his direction. Yes. We are at the Lewiston Raceway in Lewiston, Maine.
3: Yeah.
0: Anybody want to just comment on that one?
3: Again, we've already said it, you know. um, There's completely conflicting versions, you know. Did Roy Vaughn allow Ruby in or not, you know. And uh, this man is saying something that is completely different, you know, op- the opposite of what Roy Vaughn uh, says, you know, in Bill mm-hmm. Kennedy.
0: So, yeah, and he's acting like there was one cop who walked across the street and that was it. Oh, well, there, there were cops everywhere, just everywhere. All right, so this is a very obscure witness here, so see what she has to say.
1: The is established. Oh, such as your... Bernie, which would be Mr. Wade. Did you receive any specific instructions from Jack Ruby about uh, serving
4: drinks for the Dallas police officers? Yes. In fact, uh, Jack told me point blank. He said, Nancy, if you ever, he said intentionally or unintentionally, charge a Dallas police officer. He said, you might as well go look for another job. He said, don't offend them. Cater to them. Talk with them. Even if you ignore the other customers. End
1: over backwards to be nice to it. Did Ruby uh, perform any other favors for the Dallas police officers? Well,
4: yeah. Well, favors. We call them favors. Type uh, both. So he provided girls, gambling, and booze. Those are my favors to me.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, girls, gambling, and booze. Is is it wine, women, and song? Right. So, Whoa. all right. This is the new JFK show number one sixty two. We're going to be right back with more JFK in
2: Dallas Texas three shots were fired at President Kennedy's motorcade that's what we were told most Americans never believed Lee Oswald was the lone gunman for excellent reasons in fact there were at least six shooters who fired from eight to ten shots or more who are identified here we have Finally, the solution to the greatest murder mystery in history, laid out for the world to see proof after proof after proof. Photos were faked, the body was changed, x-rays were altered, the home movies were fixed. Fifteen experts contribute to a 529-page book. With a thousand thirty seven photos and diagrams in black and white and color.
0: Hi, this is Gary King. If you'd like JFK, who, how, and why, and would like to support the new JFK show, then go to patriotradiobooks.com. That's patriotradiobooks.com. All well, right, welcome, welcome back to the new JFK show number 162. <laughs> no, but... Yeah, and we've got, um a woman that just said that all the Dallas police officers had to do was walk in and they got free drinks. The barmaids were told to go over there and, I guess, kiss their rear end. And um, if you needed a woman for the night, no problem. Jack Ruby will hook you up.
1: How <laughs> many Dallas police officers would you estimate Jack Ruby knew on a personal basis? At least
4: half and probably two-thirds there
1: were police offices in Dallas in 1963 would you say Ruby knew 600 of them oh easily.
0: boy I wonder what ever happened to this woman here she's spelling it out as Whoa. far as cops walking around and Henry Wade saying I didn't know who he was he he said yeah. something about Cuban exile group you know.
1: yeah right yeah A thief. Uh, relationship of the Dallas Police Department with Jack Ruby. We have 1,200 men in our department and we uh, had each man to submit a report regarding his knowledge or acquaintance with Jack Ruby. Less than 50 men even knew Jack Ruby.
0: I'm losing respect for Jesse Curry by the moment here. I really always thought he was trying to tell the truth basically when they were talking about the rifle didn't have the prints and all that. But he, he's, um, he's complicit right here.
4: You see, Jack Ruby was a man who wanted to be noticed, wanted to be known. And he used to frequent the Dallas Police Department. And he used to brag, uh, oh, I can get this fixed for you, I can get that fixed for you.
1: Did the Dallas Police Department or District Attorney's Office ever do any favors for Jack Ruby?
4: Uh, several that I could probably name, but you don't offend them, cater to them, talk with them, even if you ignore the other customers, bend over backwards to be nice to them.
2: But he was asking what favors did the DPD do for Jack, not what did he do for them. Yeah. The <laughs> angle on her is terrible. You'd think they'd get, they'd get her from the front.
1: Yeah.
2: This is very strange angle. They're in a uh, racetrack police
3: officers maybe she, maybe she asked well, yeah.
4: be that
2: way. I'd be surprised
4: favors we call them favors i suppose so provided girls gambling and booze
0: i don't know i don't know why that repeated like that so but uh, anyway It's an important all, point. yeah definitely a, a, a good point to bring up so um yeah, I, let's go ahead and Check out Penn Jones, and then we'll go on. Yeah, our guy here. And then we'll go on. Larry's got a a little bit presentation for us.
1: Well, I love President Kennedy very much. I was one of the few weekly newspapers that covered the Ruby trial.
3: The Midlothian Mirror. actual
1: investigating did not begin until I started reading the Warren Report. realize that something was very very much amiss in reading that report. I really believe that the only way you can believe the Warren report is to not read it. (laughs) Have you found it difficult to uncover the facts this time? Yes it's very difficult. Witnesses are reluctant. Some of them have gone into hiding or at least cannot be found by me And in many cases the police have actually told (laughs) or some witnesses say federal authorities have told them not to talk about the assassination. Uh, The witnesses are frightened. Uh, Some of them went into hiding. I'm, I'm sure that I spent at least one month searching for Earlene Roberts. And I don't know of any person, any newsman or any investigator uh, that talked to Earlene Roberts after she testified before the Warren Commission and her testimony was quite startling. Miss-
0: yeah, if you remember Earlene Roberts, she was the really high-class lady that said she saw Jack Ruby unloading gunmen on, in Dealey Plaza. Earlene
3: was a was landlady. But, uh, well, was i
2: was Mercer. Yeah, weren't we mixing Marianne oh, Mary- right. Mercer, who was yeah, on this. Yeah,
0: Erlene was the landlady.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I blew it. I blew it. All right, so I guess that's why we're in front of her house right now. Yeah. That's right.
3: We've been there. We did a show there in front of that house, didn't we? Yeah.
0: It's, if anybody wants to see it, it's called On the Road with Dr. Fetzer and Larry Rivera. The... Been re- released a few times, and it's, it's a really good show. We went to all the areas.
3: We had only slept like four hours when we did that. You know that's why we that's why we look the way we do.
1: Yeah. I was told Commission Council of a rather mysterious incident, which occurred just after Oswald entered the rooming house on November 22nd at approximately 1 p.m. She said, a police car drove up to the house at 10:26 North Beckley and parked outside. Question by commission counsel. Where was it parked? It was parked in front of the house. Did this police car stop directly in front of your house? Yes, it stopped directly in front of my house. Where was Oswald when this happened? In his room. Were there two uniformed policemen in the car? Oh, yes. And one of the officers sounded the horn? Just kind of a tit-tit. Twice, The commission did not satisfactorily explain why a police car stopped in front of Oswald's dwelling or why the policeman sounded the horn twice and then drove away just before he came out.
2: Now, let me say, she mentions at one o'clock, but Lee was in the Texas theater buying popcorn, according to Butch Burroughs, by one den about the time that Officer J.D. Tippett was being shot. So my surmise would be it must have been a bit before one o'clock. I don't think
3: mm-hmm. one
2: o'clock is uh, good enough to make it from there to the Texas Theater in ten minutes. Larry, do you think? Yep.
3: Well, Gary and I actually walked uh, that uh, trajectory. You know, from uh, right. So and
2: how long did that take you? Uh,
3: eight eight and a half minutes, or something like that. Okay,
2: you know. so it, so it could have been then. He could have he could have walked it at one o'clock. Got the tip. Headed out for the Texas Theater and been there buying popcorn by 110.
3: Well, well, that, well Jim, that, that's that's if you believe, you know, the bus and cab store. That's why we went and walked that off, you know, because we said, wait a minute, the time frame doesn't work out. You know, so let's go and walk it off because suppose the Warren Commission said that he he had the cab drive past the rooming house, drop him off. Remember, Gary, what was it, like six blocks? Yeah, but Larry,
2: Larry, Larry, I'm talking about from the time the police stopped in front of the car and hit the horn twice.
3: Yeah, 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 yeah. Because uh, we're talking about uh, at that time Lee is already in the house.
2: Right, right, right.
3: So, so what uh what uh, what I w- was referring to is the timeline of the cabin and the bus and cab ride uh, that did not work out because supposedly they had uh, dropped them off well beyond the uh, the room. Yeah,
2: I'm just I'm just talking about. From she said it was one o'clock when the police stopped two officers. Tip tip. Yeah. A clue for Lee, could he then yeah, yeah. have left the house and been in the Texas Theater to buy popcorn by 110? And the answer is yes, he could have. Yeah, there
0: were two minutes to spare.
2: Yeah, well, paid for his ticket and decided to get popcorn. He had to grab his jacket. He was still in high. I think it's all fine.
1: Mm-hmm. She's not the only one. There are at least eight persons now dead, either from murder. Or at least strange deaths who were closely related to Jack Ruby or Lee Harvey Oswald. Can you give us one, one instance uh, of a witness, uh, who died a strange death? Well, let's take the case of Betty Mooney McDonald, one of Jack Ruby's strippers. Yeah. A fellow named Warren Reynolds saw a man running from the scene of the tippet slay. Shortly thereafter, Reynolds was shot through the head. And before Reynolds was shot, he could not identify the man running from the scene as Oswald. Then he was shot through the head, and a fellow named Garner was arrested.
2: You know how those shots through the head improve your memory?
0: (laughs) Works every time. Who needs those vitamins on? Oh, they
2: call them memory (laughs) enhancements. And
1: McDonald was the alibi for Garner. She said Garner could not have shot Reynolds because he was with me at the time. Two days after her alibi, Mooney, Betty Mooney McDonald was arrested for fighting with a roommate. Although the roommate was not arrested, McDonald was put in jail that night, and an hour later she was found hanged in her cell. And of course, the Dallas police said she
0: hung herself. Ooh, boy, the Dallas police station is a place you don't want to be. <laughs> <laughs> Where evil goes on.
2: It's like the our- Roach Motel. You check in, but you never check
1: out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Jones. Did Reynolds finally testified before the commission? After
3: Reynolds recovered from his wound, he testified and was able to identify our wall.
0: Yeah.
1: It was <laughs> amazing.
0: Yeah. Here's the. Do you want to do more uh, witnesses or are you going to go to Larry? Do one
2: more and then we'll go to Larry.
0: All right. Charles Brown, right? Oh
1: boy. At the giant Reynolds Motor Company.
0: Oh, Reynolds, oh. Yeah, this is Reynolds here
1: on November 22nd 1963 yes sir how close is the used car lot which you work, to the scene of the tip of killing one blow were you there at about one o'clock on the 22nd yes sir and then what happened what did you see what did you hear We were listening to the radio about the assassination, and we heard these shots. And we ran out on this porch and we saw this gunman running up the street. And I followed him for a block until I lost him. And then I was going back to the used car line and this policeman stopped me and asked me what had happened. And I, I told him that I had seen this man with the gun and I had followed him and I lost him. So he took the description and my name stuff like that and while I was talking to him some television camera was taking the pictures and after that I went on back to the U.S. car what, what?
2: H- what was the description?
0: Yeah that was a very interesting.
1: The Federal Bureau of Investigation for the United States Secret Service during November 1963. No, I sure would. We were questioned by FBI agents or Secret Service agents during December 1963. No, sir. We were questioned by FBI agents or Secret Service agents during January 64. Yes, sir, I was. When was that, sir? That was on January the 21st. Two agents came out and they talked to me and asked me what I had seen. And I told them, and they showed me three pictures. You were questioned by agents of the FBI on January 21st, 64. Then what happened? Two days after that, as I was close enough to use a one night, uh, when I went downstairs to turn off the lights, some gunman was hidden down there, and he shot me. He shot me through the glasses, and right here, In the bullet lodge, right over here. Mr. Reynolds, who knew about your questioning by the FBI between the time that you were actually questioned by them and the time that you were shot two days later? Just friends and, of course, my family. The commission concluded on page 663 of its report that it was wild speculation for anyone think that there might have been a connection between the fact that you were shot in January and the fact that you observed the gunman flee from the tippet scene. What is your comment, sir? Uh, if they would text the man and prove that he that he did do it, we could figure out from there whether he was
0: connected or not. I don't believe anybody is smart enough to say whether he whether it is connected. Yeah. yeah. Right. yeah he looks like he's... Re- not ready for another uh, gunshot through the head.
3: Well, Roger Craig went through uh, how many attempts on his life, you know? Yeah,
2: uh, half a dozen.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bullets whizzing by your head, you know? That's sort of like, uh, you know.
2: Stunning stuff. Mm-hmm. Larry, lay it on.
0: All right, Larry.
3: Well, uh, these, these are uh, new documents that are coming out, you know, and... Uh, some of them uh, are startling, I have to say. You know, they're uh, a lot of good information. You have to know how to, how to search for it. Uh, I just want to comment that these documents are not searchable. You know, usually these PDFs, you know, if you go to Mary Farrell or the Weiss. You're there, Larry. Yeah. Can you hear me? Can you hear me?
2: I can hear you.
3: Yeah. If you go to the Mary Farrell or Harold Her- 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 Weiss oh, uh- sites and you download uh, document the Armstrong uh from those sites, Ben Jones, uh, all the documents there are searchable PDFs. You know, in the PDF uh, reader, you have like a little magnifying glass or something, you know, uh, and, and you click on that and you enter the term and it searches uh, the entire document and it tells you exactly on what page, you know, the, uh, you know that uh, information is available on. So in working with these files, it's been extremely difficult Because for some reason, these decided to create PDFs that are not searchable, Jim. You know, I think this is something that uh, has been done on purpose, okay? Uh, Because, uh, for example, uh, Judith, uh, at the beginning, uh, you know, when she started looking at these files, she said, hey, I did searches on these PDFs, and uh, Oswald was only mentioned twice. And I'm going, "Uh, Judith, the reason for that is because they're not searchable. So. With that said, uh, you know we have to uh, go, you know, page by page and look at them. And uh, as you as you look at these uh, documents, it seems like they are part of a file, okay? And they're scanning, you know, all the pages of the file. So they apparently, you know, in this instance, they are all grouped together. So one topic or one uh, person or one individual, for example, this one that we're going to talk, a nice skewer one. Um, you know, they all appear, you know, in consecutive files. So at least, in, you know, that has been
2: uh, sort of helpful. You've
0: got to watch out if you type it.
2: A lot yeah, of I'm, sending, I'm sending Judith a note to say that it was my mistake we didn't have her on tonight with Larry to talk about the documents Can you make it next week. Yeah, that's awesome.
0: Yeah, she's been really searching the documents, and Larry, like we say, no one beats Larry Rivera for new research, and this is the newest stuff. Well, we're going to talk about
3: cryptonyms, cryptonyms, CIA cryptonyms. And if you can just go down there and click on where it says Mary Farrell there, Gary, because I want to I show you what cryptonyms are, okay, uh, CIA cryptonyms. You know, in all this spoof world, you know, obviously people, you know, do not go by their actual names, so uh, the CIA had – had this nomenclature uh, of uh, terms, you know, to apply, you know, to uh, different individuals and organizations, you know. Code,
2: like, code names.
3: Yeah, code names.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah.
3: And uh, so, if you go uh, down, if you uh, scroll down, uh, I'll show you what. Uh,
0: there it is. A code name. <laughs> right.
3: Code names. Uh, <clears throat> scroll. Scroll down, scroll
0: down. Scroll down. All right. Hang on. And these are some
3: of the uh, <coughs> cryptonyms. Both these that start with A M, they're all related to Cubans and the Cuban exile uh, operations, and and each and every one of these had their own uh, individual uh, uh, cryptonym, uh, code name.
2: And so A E was Soviet, A M was Cuba. Go further down, we'll see more. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. Go further down, so uh, our audience can uh, see you know what this uh, this is all about because uh, in in looking at yeah, and looking at all these documents you must have this guide. Otherwise, you're not going to know, you're not going to be able to make heads or tails out of anything that that is being
0: written, you know. How about Amblood? Mm -hmm. I'm sorry? uh, The one that says Amblood, it says a role in planning to kill Castro, Cuban Treasury Minister who was executed. Yeah,
3: remember uh, we were talking about the CRC uh, a couple of weeks ago, Amblood, okay? The Cuban Revolutionary Council were. Uh, Juan Paula Bayes, you know, was the uh controller and we talked about that. And and you know, each and every one of these, uh, uh Amspell, you know, <laughs> uh okay. what was, was the DRE? Uh you know, uh, Ambang was uh, for example, Ambang was uh, uh Manolo Rey, you know, and Amhint one uh I believe it was Amhint, okay, uh you know, and on and on and on. You know, each and every one of these guys, you know, who was working, uh, who was the CIA asset, had uh, his own code codename. Uh, and it just goes on and on and on. And uh, J.M. Wade, for example, uh, was the uh, CIA station in Miami.
0: Okay. And uh, L.P.J.'s got one. G- that's, right. G- that's, right. That's, right. that's right. I'll be
3: damned. H.T. Lingual for example, was the CIA mail opening program, you know. And uh, on and on. So, uh, with that said, uh, you know, let's go find out who Skewer One is. Oh, 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 oh Gary, Gary, go ahead, go ahead, down because that's this is important. Uh, Gary. Wait, oh, yeah, the CIA station. Uh, the the uh, code name that we're going to talk about here uh, short. We go Skewer. Skewer one. one. So go down it and let's see if he's there because this is really important about uh, you know for what we're going to talk about here now. Uh, skewer think. one is not there at all.
0: No, he's not. Okay. So we need to go back. I might lose. So, the
3: so either it's either one of two things: either you know uh, the Mary, the people of Mary Farrell have missed him, or there has never been any uh, cross reference to any person or entity uh, you know, and, uh, that answers to Skewer one. Okay, uh, and uh, we just looked at the Mary Farrell side and looked at uh, you know. Uh, some of the uh, pseudonyms here, uh, cryptonyms, and uh, again, you don't see a skewer one, okay? Now, uh, I don't know if Jim wants to do the honors from here on down, uh, which is before discussing skewer one.
2: I I immediately went to the Mary Farrell site to check out who this colorful pseudonym belonged to. If you check the above link, you probably notice there's no definition for skewer one. Before discussing One's identity, we need to examine some of the content of the cables and reports that have been released this past month. The content should give us an idea of the importance and stature of this individual. These cables also clearly describe the importance of Puerto Rico in the geopolitical area arena and how it appears that the colonial Puerto Rican government was, for all practical purposes, forced to serve as a base of operations for Cuban exile groups trying to overthrow Castro. As we delve into the content of these documents, it's imperative that we become familiar with the other cryptonyms involved in this operation and the identity of these individuals and organizations. It seems that Skewer One was involved with a creme de la creme of the Cuban exile groups. M. One, Manuel uh Buesa, a prominent Cuban exile, was in the Bay of Pigs invasion in 1963, moved to Nicaragua as leader of Operation AM World.
3: This is the guy with – this is uh, Manuel Artime with uh, JFK at the uh, Orange Bowl. Remember when the brigade, the 2506 brigade, you know, and they did that big uh, 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 get-together there, you know, with – And Jeff
2: made the blunder of saying he's going to have this flag returned to a free Cuba. Exactly.
3: Right there. Exactly. And now, man, they really wanted to hold him to that, and they did, you know, eventually. So – Uh, Go ahead. Well,
2: they they held him responsible by retribution when he failed to follow through. Yeah, right. A.M. Scroll, you are also known as Unidad Revolucionaria. You know, your your Cuban is good. Your Spanish will be better than mine.
3: Revolucionaria, yeah,
2: yeah. Its organizing membership was described as impatient former members of the MRR, well educated, and with the skills needed to overthrow government. A.M. Juan, Manuel Ray Rivero, Very leader important. of the revolutionary movement of the people, MPRP, and later, Junta Revolutionary Cubana, George, J.U.R.E.E. Yeah. Howard yeah. Hunt wrote, after the <laughs> invasion, the Kennedy administration could not do enough for Manuel Ray. A cozy post was secured for him in Puerto Rico as chief of governor. Munoz uh, Marin's housing projects. Governor Luis Mar- Munoz Marin loved Manuel Ray. The new documents describe Munoz's efforts to groom Ray to replace Castro as president of Cuba once the U.S. government and its exile allies got rid of the Cuban dictator. Right. Yeah,
3: Manuel, Manuel Ray was actually an engineer in Cuba, you know, and he knew all of the uh, you know counter-revolutionaries there. And uh, when he moved, when he uh, left Cuba. His base of operations was, uh, was in, in Puerto Rico. But he went back and forth, you know, between Puerto Rico and Miami and, uh, you know, all the, all the places where the Cubans were concentrated. So he was a very, very important figure
2: at all rate. And but <laughs> one, Jose Miro Cordona, first prime minister of Cuba under Castro, left Cuba and headed the Cuban Revolutionary Council, CRC exile group. Yeah. And Alpha 66. Uh, go back up, Gary, so we can see the photo. Alpha 66, anti-caster organization founded by Elroy Gutierrez Minoia and led in exile by Antonio Vesiena, whose photograph appears on the front cover of Assassination Science standing beside Rafael Cruz. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Unbelievable. There he is. Cool, Mark.
0: He got shot in the head
2: too, didn't he? Oh, is he the the finance guy? You know, he got shot in the head. He got his head split with yes, an axe. Yes. I mean, he was murdered three different ways.
3: Oh, oh yeah. That, that was uh, Sergio Arcacha Smith. That yeah,
2: yeah. The the, the 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 paymaster. Yeah, yeah. They wanted to make sure that guy was dead. Yeah, he knew
3: everybody. In, he knew everything that went on in the He knew
2: too much. Scroll down. Yeah. Odioch. United States government at some site specifically means a White House. Note to see if it's referring to an individual or entity in charge for a particular set of decisions on behalf of the U.S. government. Wave, J.M. Wave, CIA station in Miami, training facility for anti Castro organizations existing on what is now the site of the Miami Zoo. That's
3: right.
2: You know, Judith would be great in all this too. And I'm really sorry I botched having her here. I got... I was so preoccupied with having her on my show last night that I forgot we were supposed to have her here with us tonight as well. Mm-hmm. What's in the documents and following are just some of the cables and documents that mentions skewer 1. Indeed, they tell a story of intrigue and high-level stakes.
3: That's right, because this guy was meeting with all, this guy – that's why when when I when I uh, named this the Godfather, you know, and the Godfather, you know, and everybody's – to see Don Corleone, you know, to ask for favors and money and everything when his, his daughter is getting married. Well, this guy was doing it <laughs> 24-7, you know, 365 days of, uh, of the year. And uh, he was, like I said, you know, uh, the creme de la creme and each and every one of them, the uh, top uh, anti-Castro uh, exiles, you know, uh, counter-revolutionaries all came to him. You know, and uh, it is very, very clear that this skewer one is a very rich industrialist uh, in uh, Puerto Rico. And uh, like it says here, you know, he is intensely interested in anything that has to do with uh, the uh, the anti-Castro uh, uh, movement here. And he's devoted to cu- Cuban affairs, you know, and, and uh, because he's half Cuban, you know, later on we're going to find out he's actually half Cuban. So uh, just scroll down, uh, you know, some of these cables, you know, they're a little, uh, but uh, in these cables, you know, it talks about his meetings, you know, with Artime, with uh, Ray, you know, with all t- uh, individuals here that he is providing money. This is a, this is a good one right here. See, uh, during Ambidi, uh we saw above was Manuel Artime, okay, uh, the physician there that was with uh, JFK, you know, at the uh, Orange Bowl. And it says here, skewer one is very impressed with Ambity and uh, apparently feels disposed uh, to comply with his request for financial help, you know, and uh, on and on, you know, all these cables, just, you know, nothing but skewer one providing money for uh, exiles, you know, and, and, uh, you know, anything that had to do with buying armaments and money, you know, for boats, you know, and raids, you know, and sorties, you know, and everything like that. So, you know, that's, you know, this uh, also what this brings uh, uh, forward here, Jim, is that uh, we've never really looked at Puerto Rico uh, in, in you know, in the way that uh, we should, you know, the Cuban exile movement. We know that Miami, obviously, you know, but uh, there was a lot of migration of Cubans, you know, uh, to Puerto Rico in the uh, 60s. And as we are seeing, you know, in, in these cables, uh, Skewer One was... Or, you know, it's just so no doubt about it. You know, right here, look. Hey, it says check. Check for $1,000. Yeah. yeah. $1,000 will be reimbursed. You know, but, but you know, uh, look at, you know, as it's the way that these cables read, you know, it's like customary with a customary cover letter immediately, which tells you uh, the inference here is clearly that this, this is an ongoing thing. This guy is doing this. He's been, he's been doing it for years. Uh, okay. And this one is interesting because the date, July uh, 1963, you know, uh, just a few months before the assassination. I'm not saying that it has anything to do with it, obviously, but, you know. It uh, appears we're about
2: to be out of time, so we may want to wait until we have Judith with us next week. I presume she'll be able to join us, and I'm very apologetic that I botched having her on tonight.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. Let me tell you, these uh, these cables are really fascinating, you know, in, in uh, how they tell a story, you know, that uh, I don't think has ever been told before.
2: Gary, you want to take us out?
0: Yeah. All right, fellas, as it says on the bottom of the screen, return to the CIA, background use only, do not reproduce. This has been the New Jam Case Show, number 162. We'll see you next week, hopefully, with
2: Judas Baker. Good night, fellas. Have you ever wondered if we really did go to the moon? if Paul McCartney died in 1966 and was replaced by an even better musician? Did you know that Saddam Hussein died in a B-1 bomber strike on 7 April 2003 and was replaced by one of his doubles who was put on trial and hanged in his place? Or that Osama bin Laden died in Afghanistan on 15 December 2001 and was buried in an unmarked grave in accordance with Muslim traditions? That the raid in Pakistan was faked? There is more, including four chapters about the end of World War II, which prove that events we have been taught were very different than we have been told. Don't let yourself be played. Check out, and I suppose we didn't go to the moon either.
0: Hi, this is Gary King. If you're interested in the book, and I suppose we didn't go to the moon either, with the moon landing, Paul McCartney, Osama bin Laden, and the hoax of the century that is unspeakable, Go to patriotradiobooks.com. That's patriotradiobooks.com.